Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I'm Dale Meyer, and I've been preaching for over 50 years. Some Sundays are harder to prepare for than others. For example, Christmas. That's hard for a preacher because people coming to church already know the main message. This Sunday is Reformation. Yeah, we know Martin Luther and the other reformers brought the church back to the Bible. Same old, same old. Let's see how Pastor Wright and Vicar Leeper get past our familiarity so that we'll hear about Reformation as if it were for the very first time. Greetings, welcome to Get Right for Sunday. We're doing Reformation Weekend, and I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Leeper. Our gospel lesson is St. John chapter 8, 31 through 36. This is a great text, especially as we celebrate the joy of what Reformation gives to us today. So before we get into the text, let's talk about what the Reformation is. About 500 or so years ago, there was a guy that you might have heard of named Martin Luther. Uh, and he grew up, he was a Catholic monk. But as he started to teach where he was at in Wittenberg and he started to study the Bible itself, he noticed that there were some problems with the way the institution that was the church was talking about the gospel as well as some of the practices that they were doing. So he put together a list of 95 grievances and nailed them to the castle church door in Wittenberg. These, uh, these grievances, which are known as the 95 theses, sparked the Reformation. And while they weren't the main content of it, they certainly did get the ball rolling. What Luther would talk about in the coming years was the freedom and purity of the gospel and how it had been obscured by the institution of the church at that time and had been kind of hidden away. The gospel was not being preached purely. It wasn't being preached in a way that gave freedom, but was hidden behind rituals, institutions, uh, as well as other things like indulgences that were making it so that people were not hearing the gospel as Jesus preached it, but were instead hearing a list of rules and regulations that they needed to follow to achieve salvation and to be made right with God. This is not the message that Jesus proclaimed, and so Luther and many other reformers, rightly so, brought the gospel to light. It's not that it had disappeared in the years prior, but it was not as prominent as it should be, because the gospel is nothing less than the pure and powerful message of God. So it shouldn't be hidden, uh, but it should be a city on a hill, a light for all to see. And Martin Luther helped make that so. In Luther's own words, we get an indication as to the setting that he was addressing. Now, just a few years after he posted 95 Theses, he wrote uh, the Small and Large Catechism. And the preface to the Small Catechism, this is what Luther says. 
Martin Luther, to all faithful and godly pastors and preachers, grace, mercy, and peace in Jesus Christ our Lord. The deplorable, miserable condition that I discovered recently when I too was a visitor has forced and urged me to prepare this catechism or Christian doctrine in this small, plain, simple form. Mercy, dear God, what great misery I beheld. The common person, especially in the villages, has no knowledge whatever of Christian doctrine. And unfortunately, many pastors are completely unable and unqualified to teach. This is so much so that one is ashamed to speak of it. Yet everyone says that they are Christians, have been baptized, and receive the holy sacraments, even though they cannot even recite the Lord's Prayer or the Creed or the Ten Commandments. They live like dumb brutes and irrational hogs. Now that the gospel has come, they have nicely learned to abuse all freedoms like experts. There's a couple things that I want you to hear from that uh, preface to Luther's small catechism. One is the situation that he was dealing with. Uh, He translated the Bible into a language that people could read because both the common people and also often the pastors were simply not able to read the Bible, which is something we kind of take for granted. The other thing I want you to hear is that they, at the end, you heard that they had received the gospel, but they were abusing its freedom. That's something we want to get into today with the text from John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. Jesus is confronted by some Jews, and verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, and I'd like to pause here just for a second. Throughout the gospel, before this section, we have Jesus showing and dealing with the Jews, and the Jews are hostile. Uh, The Pharisees are trying to find ways to trip him up, trap him. Uh, Jews are searching to stone him, cast him out, so on and so forth. But here in this context, in, in these verses, we have Jews who have been moved by the Holy Spirit to listen to Jesus, to believe Jesus. And what's amazing about this, it's not because he's doing miracles. It's not because he's doing these amazing feats. It's because he's bringing the word of God to them. And they are recognizing this is something different. So the Jews are listening and they want to listen to Jesus. But we hear that there is a change And it's like Jesus goes too far. The Jews are, I'm with you, Jesus. And then Jesus says this, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so Jesus has offered this great and wonderful gift. Believe in my word. All the gifts that I bring, all my teachings, all the fulfillment, my actions, my perfect life, believe that they are for your salvation and will set you free from sin, death, hell, from your old Adam, from your sinful nature. And immediately these Jews have a problem. And you might have heard what they had the what you might have heard what caused them that problem. Because Jesus is saying, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You don't just get to follow me. You don't just get to say, cool, 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 uh, but we'll pass on some of this other stuff. If you're my disciples, you will abide on all of my word. 
you will place your life in me. That's a pretty serious claim. Uh, that's a pretty big ask. And these Jews are not quite sure they're ready to make it. And that sounds a little familiar to what we heard in, in Luther's small catechism. Uh, the, the Germans at that time, they're, oh yeah, we're Christian. We take the sacraments uh, totally on board. But I don't know about all this other stuff you're saying, Luther. I don't know about this Lord's Prayer, this Creed, these Ten Commandments, this supposed Christian living that we're supposed to be doing. I don't know about this true gospel where we place all of our faith and trust in God and none of it in ourselves. And that might also sound familiar to us today. I mean, how willing are we to say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I go to church or at least watch the live stream these days. But when it comes to learning about your faith, how much do you say, eh, I don't know, I'll leave the Bible studies to other people. When it comes to living out your faith, how much do you say, eh, that I, seems I, like someone else's job. I like my pet sins. I like living the way I want to. Well, you know, God understands my heart. So we're okay. You can't see Pastor Wright's face, but he's being a little bit facetious yes. here. Uh, and to those to those uh, 16th century Germans, to those 21st century Americans, I say the word of Jesus, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But vicar, I have not been enslaved to anyone. How can you say that I will be set free? Let's return to those words of those first century Jews again. They said exactly what Pastor Wright just said to me. We are offsprings of Abraham, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you can say we will become free? I mean, what a question. If you know anything about the Israelite history, you know that this is a little bit of an odd response. I mean, after all, the Israelites' entire history is full of times when they were enslaved to people. They were enslaved to the Egyptians. The Babylonians. The I think the Assyrians yeah. at one point. And Rome now. Yeah, they are under Roman control. Rome is occupying uh, their country. They're not too happy about that. Um, and yet they still say, we've never been enslaved to anyone. And I think maybe it's because they're just thinking about themselves. Yeah. They're just focusing on... Well, me, I've, I've never personally been a slave at ignoring two things. One, their own history uh, and, the, and putting themselves in context. And B, they're ignoring what Jesus is about to say to them, which is, yes, you have been a slave. You absolutely have. You just maybe haven't noticed the chains. Well, and going back to, to something you said uh, just moments ago, again, the idea that... Uh, what are we enslaved to? What are we connected to? And if we are Christians, can't I just do it my way? Can't I live it out personally? Can't I just do how I see fit? And the idea that this really becomes holistic yeah. and it touches every aspect of our life. Jesus in the Beatitudes, or not Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount talks about... Uh, well, murder, it's not just the physical act of murdering, it's even if you just hate someone. Yeah. And so this really does cut us off at the knees, and we don't have anything to stand on because Jesus answers them and us. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And literally, Jesus is talking about everyone but himself. Yeah. We are truly slaves to sin. And so, again, that, that question... 
I've never been enslaved to anyone. But don't don't look at my sin. Don't look at the fact that I can't get rid of it or stop sinning. Well, and if you want if you want an example of this in your own lives, try to not sin for the next week. Try to avoid every single one of the sins talked about in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, talked about in the Ten Commandments, talked about in Paul's letters to the churches about what it means to be a Christian. And I don't it's it's not impossible to avoid them because there's so many. Really they kind of boil down to very simply, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's not that hard. It's not complicated. But try to live that out the next week and tell me how you do. Yeah, please let us know. <laughs> Send us an email to our from our to our podcast email at getrightforsunday at gmail.com and let us know how you did. My, my point being, Everyone who practices sin really is a slave. And if you try to not sin, that'll become apparent very, very quickly. Have you ever tried to kick a sin before you find it popping up time and time again? Have you ever had to face the consequences of your sin and said, why did I do that? Yeah. And again, it just shows us that the depths of our sin and that we cannot free ourselves. We literally cannot pick ourselves up by our bootstrap and overcome our sin. We cannot not die. We cannot not sin. And Jesus is standing before the Jews who had believed in him, people who were wanting to believe and listen to him. And he opens up his hands, just as he opens his hands to you and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am what brings you life. I am what brings you forgiveness, salvation, forgiveness of everything, and true life. But it is abiding in him. Yeah. It's not just taking a piece here. It's not just living the Sunday life on Sunday. It's living the Sunday life all week, the churchly life, the, the model that we of what we do in church really helps us to be the Christians God has made us to be, the followers of Christ, little Christs to the world. We reflect his gifts, his love. Yeah, this is what it means to be a disciple. I like what you said a while back about uh, picking ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And I hear that, I, we hear that all the time, you know, like, ah, pick, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. But that's actually literally impossible to <laughs> yeah. do. I mean, to put this in modern parlance, try to pick yourself up by your shoelaces. Grab your shoelaces, try to lift yourself up. You can't. You'll fall over. The whole point of the saying is that you can't do it. But we've turned it into this saying that, like, oh, that's what you have to do. But it's impossible. And that's a perfect example of how we are in sin. We literally can't pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But Christ comes and he gives us freedom. Jesus says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. We can't pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps, but Jesus picks us up. He makes us right before God. He justifies us. That's what that word means, to make us right before God. And because we are made right, we now get to do all those things that Pastor Wright was talking about. We now get to do the good, to love our neighbor, to live the Christian life, not just on Sunday. But you don't do that because you're getting something out of it. You don't do that because by doing so, you'll you'll earn more heaven or you'll get yourself into heaven or earn yourself less purgatory. 
That's not why you do those things. Because if you were doing it to get something out of it, you're still a slave. Because then you have to do it. Then you have to do the good. And that sounds like the language that you would use if you were a slave. But you're not. You've been set free by Christ. You are already ripe before God. But now you get to live as who he made you to be. Now you have the freedom to love your neighbor. Now you have the freedom to do those right things. Now you have the freedom to come to church and hear the gospel that we get to hear so purely because of the work of the Reformation. You get, you get to do these things and you're free to do them knowing you'll get absolutely nothing out of it. But in Christ, you'll get everything out of it. That is exactly why we celebrate the Reformation. The gospel has been brought to light, and it is the light of Christ that scatters the darkness. When we see the depths of our sin, we see how far and how high we have been lifted up to live in Christ. We can never forsake this, and we can never take this for granted. Take advantage of what is offered at Holy Cross, at your church, through the scriptures, through this podcast. For Christ our Lord is here for us, and we do celebrate the joy of salvation, the joy of Christ to and for us. And in the midst of this Reformation celebration, let us rejoice that God continues to deliver his word and his life for us. Did you learn something new about Reformation? The color for Reformation Sunday is red. Why not wear red when we come to services at Holy Cross? Six o'clock Saturday evening and Sunday at eight o'clock and 9.45. If you choose to worship from home, the eight o'clock service is live streamed on our Facebook page and our website. Do you know someone who would benefit from these podcasts? Share it with them. And as always, feel free to continue today's conversation by contacting Pastor Wright and Vicar Leeper at GetRightForSunday at gmail.com. Think Red. And thank you for joining us. See you next week for Get Right for Sunday. <laughs>